If you will turn to the first page of your new lesson book, and I will give you a new lesson each week. Prayerfully, you can insert that in your lesson book, and you would keep this. It would help you, or you might be able to even share it with other people as you learn. But if you'll see the wheel of salvation there with the cross in the middle of it on your table of contents, you see that salvation is just not one word. It is made up of eight simultaneous words, things that happened the minute you were saved, and we'll, we'll certainly cover all that as we, as we go over it. Yours is blue, mine is white because I have the master copy, but if you realize those are the, the eight words we will be studying over the next uh, several Sundays, and these will help you understand your salvation. <clears throat> Our key verse today is Romans 1.16. <clears throat> I would truly like for you to, uh, and I'm not going to give you a test, but I would truly like for you to try to memorize these key verses. Each week there will be a key verse. Uh, to the lesson that we will present. And uh, if you know this verse, please say it with me. I'm going to try to say it without looking. Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the, the Greek. Great memory verse. Are you ashamed of your salvation? You should not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. He was not ashamed to be stripped naked and beaten to a pulp and hung on a cross for six hours for all the public to gaze upon. Uh, that was a shameful thing for a Jew to have to endure, and especially the King of kings, Lord of lords, the creator of all, who's hung on that cross in that, in that uh, manner for you and I. So we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For the next eight weeks, the adult class will analyze the word salvation. The objective is to increase your knowledge and understanding of what Jesus Christ actually did on the cross while purchasing our salvation. The word salvation is a profound term. At least eight concise Transactions took place simultaneously when Jesus Christ entered your life. At the conclusion of this series of lessons, hopefully you will have a grasp on the Lord's sacrifice, His act of salvation on your, on your behalf. And you know, folks, I feel uh, we are, we are, uh, we overlook the agonizing part of the sacrifice of Jesus. Many times we said, oh, Jesus died for my sins. And that is, that is very uh, negative way of stating what Christ did for us. Because it was a very agonizing, painful, uh, uh, atrocious manner in which he suffered. That is not really the the text of this lesson, the, the text of this lesson is that I also don't believe that we comprehend the broad scope 
that salvation entails. Um, when you get a paycheck for your uh, wages, uh, I'm sure you don't dwell on what has happened before you get that paycheck. And I'm a thinking that we don't dwell on what Christ did for us when we received our salvation. Me being seven years old up in that Sunday school classroom, I did certainly not understand what all Christ endured, nor did I understand all the elements of, that made up that salvation. But because of the teaching of this church and, and the ministries here, uh, I became acquainted. Uh, and Miss Beach, my uh, pastor's wife, was uh, a, a wonderful scholar and an encourager. And she said to me, you need, you need to take more Bible than what you, you've already got here. And so she recommended I take the Schofield Bible course, and, and then I did. And I'm so glad that she encouraged me to do that because it in, certainly enlightened me in, in the spiritual way more than what I uh, had already received, even though I really feel like I received a great Bible lesson, a great Bible uh, education here under Don and Hope and Alice and Twyla. Those were four graduates of Bible colleges. And then Lanny Adams was an expert, expert uh, a Bible teacher, and uh, Mrs. Freeman was a, a, a very good studier of the Bible, and Chester Pridemore. The, these people all were great influenced Bible teachers in my life, and I appreciate them greatly. And then we, have, we had other great uh, uh, Bible teachers that would come occasionally and teach the Word, like Zane Gray, and um, his uh, knowledge of prophecy was was uh, very good. But I understand when I get a payday, <clears throat> I don't go to my uh, check stub and look at all that was taken out of it. And, and I'm using this as an example as to what is salvation. Uh, well, the federal tax is taken out and the state tax is taken out and the Social Security is taken out. And uh, if you're a member of a credit union, it's taken out. And and, and if you got any kind of retirement or a 401k or however, whatever you got there, that's taken out. And, you know, I don't dwell on that. I'm just glad I got a payday. My wife says, bring it home. I need to check my checkbook and make sure everything's right. But you see, when Christ gave us salvation, these eight things that are listed in your table of contents there took place. Now, did you think about those eight things when you got saved? I didn't. But these are so important for us to understand what Christ did for us at the moment of our salvation. And so, the Hebrew and the Greek word for salvation implies the idea of deliverance, safety, preservation, and soundness. It is an all-inclusive word of the gospel. This study will reveal the meaning of each element of salvation. So, first, what is salvation? The spiritual act of realizing a person is bound by sin and he calls or she calls for Christ to rescue and forgive. Now that's my 
definition for salvation. You, you can have your own definition there. But let's look at salvation, the word salvation. Now, this will sound like an English lesson. Going back to school, and all my English friends that are here today that have taught English and our resident law, uh, author back there, uh, we are going to have a little bit of an English lesson. So are you ready? The first tense of the word salvation is in the past. A believer has or was saved from the guilt and penalty of sin. We, when we said, Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me, we were saved from the guilt and penalty of sin. You don't have to dwell on, well, was, did I do it right? Is the blood of Jesus sufficient to take away my sin? You can rest assured, friends, that the guilt and the penalty of your sin was paid in full on the cross of Calvary. Paid in full. Let us look at some encouraging verses that will give us this Understanding, turning to Paul's letter to his preacher boy Timothy, chapter 2 Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 9. Notice the past tense verbs. Who hath saved us? He has saved us. H A T H means H A S in English. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. How long? Before the world began. That's a great verse. And so he has saved us. From the guilt and the penalty of sin. Now we're turning to the great book of the Apostle Paul to his friends at Ephesus. Chapter number 2, verse 1. And you have he quickened or made alive who were, were, that means you're not anymore, right? You were dead in trespasses and sins, in which in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of, air, of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience, that's the devil, by the way, among whom also we had, had notice that, our conversation or manner of life in times past in the lust of the flesh, Desiring uh, the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his, for his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, have he 
made alive or quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved. And of course, uh, verses 8 and 9, two of the greatest verses about your salvation in the Bible. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation refers to receiving or uh, accepting what Christ has done for us, rescuing us, delivering us from the danger and the spiritual speaking. It is the deliverance from sin. Jonah said in Jonah 2.9, Salvation is of the Lord. The angel said to Mary in Matthew 1.21, He will save his people from their sin. Jesus means Jehovah will save. That's what the name Jesus means. Jehovah will save. And it is only through him that we are saved. And one of the most beautiful verses that Luke wrote to us in chapter number uh, 4 of the book of Acts in verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And then, of course, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except by me. And so... I pray you understand that you have been saved from your past. It will never be brought up against you again. It will never, uh, no one can say, well, I remember when, because if Jesus don't remember it, then nobody else can remember it. Amen? Amen. And he said your sins were cast into the depths of the deepest sea, as far as the east is from the west, Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Amen. All right. So we have looked at the past tense of the word saved. Now let us look at the present tense. And now this is the one that people have a problem with. The second tense of the word saved is in the present the Christian is saved from the habit and dominion of sin. Let us look at Paul's writing in Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6, and we're looking at verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin, listen, if you're having a problem with sin, and I, I'm not going to name any sins because you've got enough for, that you know what sin is and you know what sin isn't. But if there's some kind of a sin that is trying to, to control you, it really doesn't have any power. You're letting it do what you don't have to let it do. 
Because Jesus has already freed you from that. He bought you. He washed you. You no longer have to obey the devil. You no longer have to obey your old flesh. You no longer have to obey what the world says. You have a power in you that is greater than is in the world. He is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. If you let him have control of your life, you won't have to live a defeated Christian life. You won't have to say, i got to give in to that. You don't have to give in to that. Christ has rescued from you from that. So the second tense of salvation is that you have been saved from this present world and its allurements. Notice what Paul said about this in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Here's the way you should be living. Here's the way I should be living. <clears throat> Galatians 2.20. Paul says, For I am crucified with Christ. Now that would, think, that would make you think, well, I'm dead. True, you are dead to the old sin, to the old man, to the one that used to control you before you got saved. You don't have to obey him anymore. Look, he says, I'm alive. But not I, but Christ in me. Now who is Christ in me? The Holy Spirit. Christ gave you his spirit when you got saved. Or you're still lost. And you're still under the law. And might I say this? If you're sitting here today and you've never said, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me from my sin you've never been saved, then you are under the law. And the wages of the law is death and hell. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to go to hell. You've been delivered. You've been saved if you accept Christ. And your name's already recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. You've got reservations. Some people... Can't comprehend this. I don't think they've been taught. And therefore, they remain a defeated, downhearted, unjoyful Christian person. And they go around acting like that they're afraid that they're going to go to hell. Like the old story that I may have used before, but it's a really good illustration. You go on a cruise... And you should enjoy the cruise. You should feel like I can go lay out in the sun or I can go swimming in the pool or I can just go walk around the deck and I can go to sleep tonight knowing that the captain is at the helm and everything's going to be fine and I'm not going to sink and, and drown while other people are wearing a life jacket and, and they're standing near the, 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 uh, the boats that, that if they'd sink they could get on board first and, and they're nervous and biting their fingernails and they don't know for sure if they're going to make it or not because they don't know if that captain really knows what he's doing. That's a pitiful way to live. A very enjoyable cruise that would be. But I know who the captain is. And I know what the captain has done for me. And he'll never fail me. My anchor holds in him. Amen? Amen. 
And so my, my present state is, yeah, there's sin, and sometimes I do it. I don't want to do it. That's when I'm weak, and I don't trust the Holy Spirit and remember the Word. But most of the time, I try to live, and I hope you do too, a joyful, happy, knowing that I'm saved, and I'm never going to have to face hell, and the devil's been defeated, and he's going to hell, and I'm happy about that. Amen? And that's the way we ought to live. And so we see that the Christian is saved from the habit and the dominion of sin. And Romans um, 2, I'm sorry, Galatians 2.20 says, And I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith. Faith in who? The Son of God who did what for me? Loved me and gave His life for me. Now that's a victorious Christian life. What are you living today? Are you defeated? Are you down in the dumps? Or are you living victory in Jesus? Victory in Jesus every day. Now, if you are lost, you're under the law of Moses. And the law demands a penalty or a payment for your sin. What is that payment? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. death. Now that word death there has three different uh, Greek word meanings. It means one, cessation of life. You're in a casket. It means two, you have been, you die spiritually. You have no way of ever recovering once you're dead. You, 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 you will not be prayed out of hell, baptized out of hell like the Mormons. You will not be able in any way, shape, form, or style to have enough good works to think that someday you'll stand at the great white throne judgment and tell God, well, this is not fair. I did this, this, and this. And he's going to say it's not by works of righteousness which you've done, but according to his mercy, he saved you. And so uh, it, is a, it is a cessation of life, death. It is a spiritual death in hell. And it is eternal, never ending. Now listen, if that ain't enough to, to get somebody to get saved, then I believe you're dead already. Everlasting destruction. Everlasting. Listen, that's, and I'm not, I don't believe in scared religion, but that's enough to make me see that whew, I don't want that way. Amen? Amen? Now, let's just go a little bit further in this. So presently, we've been saved from the power of sin. See, this word salvation, it's just not, well, I'm saved, hallelujah, I'm going right on with life. It is a great deal more. It's saved from the past, saved from the present, saved from present day sin. We are currently being saved by the power of the blood of Christ. It is through and by the presence of the Holy Spirit that we are delivered from the power of sin. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And we will see what Paul says about this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 18. 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish 
foolishness. But unto us who are saved, what is it? It is the power of God. It is the power of God. The preaching of the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ is the power of God. Now, when you look at the cross, you think, well, that's, that's a place of death. That's a place of doom. That's a place of, uh, of uh, sadness. But when I look at the cross, I see salvation and I'm happy. I was so glad that Two weeks ago we had the chapter in the World History book about uh, Christianity and it talked about the death and the burial of Jesus. Boy, did I get it. I got to preach in the public school system. (laughs) I said, you all know what that means? The crucifixion? Man, there's a lot of ignorant children in our school system. They don't go to church. They don't know the Bible. And if they do go to some churches, they must not be teaching them the Bible because they couldn't answer the simplest questions about Jesus and and who he was, where he was born, where he he grew up. This is all in the book. So ACLU can't do a thing about it. It's right there so I can teach it. And if they ask questions, I can expound upon that also. Did you all know that? Amen. Amen. So... Acts 1.8. Where do we get this power? Acts 1.8. What's he say? Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit or ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. There's not a reason why. Not one of you who know Christ here cannot go out and witness to somebody. You have the power, if you're saved, the minute you said, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me, the power of God came into your soul, and that old dead, crusty, hard-hearted rock of, of your heart became flexible by the power of the Holy Spirit. It became inflated. It became alive through the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You are one of our words right here that we're going to study. You have been sanctified. That happened the minute you got saved. The Holy Ghost came into you and saved you and made you a new creation. So we've looked this morning at the past that's been forgiven through the blood of Christ. And through the presence, we are saved daily by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And we will be third tense will be the third tense of the word salvation will occur in the future at the return of Jesus or Christ. All the body infirmities that are the result of sin, that would be arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, bad eyesight, heart problems, cancer, hard of hearing, and all other Ailments and situations that people have are because we are upon, we are in a curse upon this world, this sinful world, and it is it will be brought into conformity through Christ. Amen. Through Christ. Let's turn to the book of Romans. So you have been saved from the past. You're being saved from the present, and you will be saved. When 
He comes. So salvation has three tenses, and they're all ours. The minute you say, Jesus, come into my heart, we were saved from past, present, and we're going to be saved in the future. Let's see how it goes. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, and verse number 18. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, you may suffer here for a while, but that's just a drop in the bucket to the glory you're going to have when you meet Christ face to face. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, creation is bound in this sinful state as well as we are. Uh, there's thorns, there's thickets, there's poison ivy, there's uh, negativeness in nature, uh, animals eating animals, uh, hate in this world, etc. We're all under the curse. For the creation was made subject to vanity. How was it made subject to vanity? When Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate of the forbidden fruit. That's when this curse came upon the world. Not willing, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. We're going to be delivered. He promises it. For we know that the whole world, the whole creation, groaneth and travaileth in pain up and until now. And not they, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption that is the redemption of our body. Verse 23. Now let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection chapter. And Paul says in verse 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It was sown in corruption. It will raise incorruptible or in incorruption. Uh, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It will raise in power. It is sown a natural body. It will raise a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. So when we go to the graveyard and we plant a Christian in the ground, he is, he is planted in, in the old weakness of the flesh. But when Jesus comes at the rapture, he will be raised with the power of God. Like Jesus coming out of that tomb and knocking that uh, rock out of the way, rolling it back and coming out glorious, uh, glory, uh, glorified and victorious over death, hell, and the grave. So the future, we will be saved from the presence of sin. We'll no longer have to worry about sin. There'll be no more sin. The final Salvation fills us with hope and anticipation. Aren't you looking forward to that day? 
What a day that will be. When my Jesus we shall see. When God saves, He will one day deliver us from the presence of sin. Turn with me to the book of Romans. Chapter number 5. And verse number 9. 5, 9. Much more being than being now justified by the blood. We can be saved from the wrath through him. That is hell. We're saved through, from hell. For if when we were enemies, that means we were lost, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How did we get saved? We were brought to, to the Holy Father through the, Jesus Christ on the cross bringing us, reconciling us, bringing us together through Him, through Christ. Notice, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. Then were we reconciled, uh, enemies, we will be reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Turn with me to Hebrews 9. This is all past tense, if you've noticed these verses. 9.28. Hebrews 9.28. For Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto, help me, salvation. What's he bringing? He's bringing salvation when he comes. We were saved when we said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. We were saved from our past sins. We're being saved daily from our present sins. And we're going to be saved from sin altogether when he comes. Is everybody with me? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Man, this is good stuff. Knowing this, this should drive us to pursue holy living. Knowing that we are going to meet him face to face. First John chapter 3. Oh wow, this is good stuff. First John chapter 3 verses 2 and 3. Behold, now are we the children of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. You know, I cannot fathom what heaven is going to be like. Can you? I mean, I hear it, I read it, I, I hear it sung about, but I never walked on gold. Matter of fact, I don't, I wear this, I've worn about 45 years, but you know what? I'm going to walk on it someday. Better than this. That ain't, that's not pure gold. Let's go on. What are we reading? Behold, now we are the children of God, and it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we sh- when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is, face to face, face to face. And every man that hath this hope in Him and if you're saved, you have this hope. What's it say? Purify, Purify himself even as Jesus is pure. 
What kind of life should we be living? Holiness. Blameless. Now you can't be sinless. You know why? Because we're still in the flesh. And the old nature will not let you be sinless. But you ought to sin less because you are saved. Amen? Amen. So you've been saved from your past sin. You're being saved from your present sin. Or you are saved from your present sin. And you're going to be saved when he comes back. Amen? Amen. Taken. Taken to be with him. Amen? So, let's look at one final scripture. Romans chapter 8. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, at verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also predestinated to be conformed to the image of His, of his Son that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, what will he do? He will also glorify. There's the three tenses. You've been saved, you've been justified, and you're going to be glorified. Whew! Ought to make a Baptist shout. A Bibler. We're Biblers. Make a shout. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you. I tell you guys, it's good stuff. We're going to get into it deep. What is salvation? As we hear our invitation song today. <clears throat>